Good morning, Woodmont. Welcome to worship. Uh, I just got through taking a, a walkthrough of the new uh, chapel and children's space, which is why I'm uh, sweating a little bit. And uh, we hope to get a video out very soon showing you the progress that's been made there. And it's just very exciting uh, to see that continuing to move forward. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Loving God, open our hearts and minds. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, today is what we call Homecoming Sunday. Today is the day that in a normal year, uh, we would all be gathering back at church. Uh, we would hear the, the bagpipes playing. We would welcome families uh, back from the summer. We would have pancakes being served down in Drewota Hall. We'd have the, the kids filling up uh, the kids' commons and going to their next grade level and uh, getting ready as many have been either going back to school or doing virtual learning. But this is not a normal year, and so we're not able to do a lot of those things that we would usually do with Homecoming Sunday. So we're gonna make the best of it. And if you read the newsletter this past week, then you saw that, that I'm basically asking Woodmont members and families to do four things. What are those four things? The first is find a Sunday morning routine that works for you and your family. We have uh, this online service, it's available at seven o'clock. We have the drive-in service, it's available at nine o'clock. And then starting today, we have a socially distant sanctuary service that's at 10.30, and you need to make a reservation for that on the website. But find a Sunday morning routine that works for you and your family because it's very easy to get out of the habit of worship uh, during a time like this. The second thing that, that, that I'm asking is I wanna encourage you to either join or start a small group. Join or start a small group or a class that's already in place. And you can email Amory Farmer and you can ask her about the different classes, the different groups that are there. But if you wanna lead a small group, if you wanna start a small group, either on Zoom or maybe on your, your back porch, then we would love that. And, and that is one great way for us to stay connected as we get geared up for the fall. The third thing that we're asking is that I want you to pray for our church. I want you to pray for the people that are hurting, the people that are grieving, the people who have lost loved ones, the people who are battling uh, serious illnesses. Pray for our church and pray for the ministries and for the leaders of our church because prayer is powerful and it makes a big difference. And then lastly, the fourth and final request that we have is keep supporting the church. Uh, keep supporting the church with your, with your time, with your offerings, support the church financially, because we count on all of our generosity to make the ministries of Woodmont go and function. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells us a story about two men. It's, it's a parable. It's called the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And these men went up to the temple to pray the Pharisee stood off by himself and he said, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, uh, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, Jesus said, would not even look up to heaven but he was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, 
a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. We have two men in the story, both of them religious, both of them going to the temple to pray, but they have two completely different approaches, two completely different mindsets. And so today, what I wanna talk about in light of this parable is the fundamental difference between self-righteousness and humility. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but there is a lot of self-righteousness going on in our world right now. And a lot of it is related to the stress of the pandemic and to the stress of the political season that's heating up. What do I mean by that? Think about it. People are self-righteous about their politics and who they're supporting and they just don't understand how somebody could support a different candidate. And this election is only gonna get more um, uh, divisive over the next two months. People are self-righteous about what is and what is not appropriate when it comes to behavior and COVID-19. I can't believe those schools are opening back up and, and all those kids are gonna get the virus or other people would say, I can't believe that we're going back to virtual learning. We did this in the spring. I don't know how much more I can take. You, you know what I'm talking about. People are self-righteous about social issues. How can you not support Black Lives Matter, many ask. And then there's others who say, have you seen some of the things that are being done in the name of, of BLM? The, have you seen that? We hear all of these things right now. People are self-righteous about church. How could you invite people back into the sanctuary during a, a pandemic when they could potentially spread the virus? Or, how long do I have to wait before I can come back to my church and, and worship inside? People are self-righteous about their family members. I can't believe Uncle Jim, he never wears a mask. He goes to restaurants and bars every night and when you're around him, he gets right up in your face, doesn't give you any kind of personal uh, distance. You know, Uncle Jim, he's definitely gonna get COVID. Then he's gonna give it to all of us. You know what I'm talking about. This is not an easy time for many reasons. We are living in a brave new world. And there are lots of people who think that their approach or their belief or their way of doing things is the right and only way. And so there's a lot of judgment that's going on right now. One thing we know for sure about Jesus is that he lived a humble life. And if we're gonna be his followers, I think he's calling for us to live a humble life. In fact, he even says in the Sermon on the Mount, don't judge so that you may not be judged. For the judgment you give will be the judgment you get. He says, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye? but fail to recognize the log in your own eye. First take the log out of your own eye, then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's 
I. What a great challenge for all of us right now. A few years ago, New Testament scholar A.J. Levine was teaching here on a Wednesday night, and she was talking about this parable, this uh, parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And she said this, she said, the irony of this parable is that the Pharisee, the one who was viewed as the religious leader of the day, the one who had it all together, the one who everybody else was supposed to follow, he was the one who was arrogant and self-righteous. But the tax collector, who was despised and resented by so many people in the first century, he was the one who showed contrition and humility. And so once again, just like he often does, Jesus is turning the common perceptions and standards of his day upside down in order to teach us an important lesson. But has it occurred to you that things really aren't that different? Things really haven't changed a whole lot. There are still very different types of people that go to churches and synagogues and temples and mosques to pray. And some are humble and others are self-righteous. Some are forgiving and others are judgmental. Some are kind and others are cold. Some are genuine and others are fake. And so we should always be asking ourselves, what kind of religious person am I? What kind of Christianity am I practicing? There's a fundamental difference between being self-righteous and being humble. And this parable clearly points that out. Remember the words of the prophet Micah in the Old Testament? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with God? You know, I love this verse because in many ways, these words identify what it means to live a healthy life of faith. And we can probably agree and find consensus on what it means to do justice in the world today. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. Um, racial justice, building bridges, um, getting outside our bubbles, speaking up for people who don't have a voice. And we can probably agree that loving kindness is really important and being kind is a, is a big deal. But what does it mean to walk humbly with God? What does it mean to live a life of humility? You know, we live in a, in a culture where self-righteousness and pride and arrogance run rampant and where we always seek and thrive on the praise and the affirmation of other people. We want others to affirm us. We want others to, to like us. We want others to, to think fondly of us. We want others to, to tell us that we're important, that we're significant. The challenge, I think, continues to be how can we live in a world that worships achievement and success and accomplishment and prestige and money and power and yet maintain a deep sense of humility in the process? How can we work hard to get an education and to get a good job and to advance in our career, to take care of our families and our loved ones and not become judgmental in the process? This is a challenge. Pride and self-righteousness go hand in hand. But I've always said that there's 
two different kinds of pride. There's what I call healthy pride and there's unhealthy pride. Healthy pride means that you take pride in your work. You take pride in your family, pride in your appearance, uh, pride in your service and your achievements, pride in your character, your reputation, pride in living a life of honesty and integrity. But then unhealthy pride is different. Unhealthy pride means feeling that we are God's gift to the universe. We are better than others, that we are indispensable. There's also a big difference, I believe, between having self-confidence, which is good, and being arrogant, which is usually a cover-up for insecurity. Our world is full of people who lack self-confidence, and it's also full of people who are arrogant. And the goal has always been to be somewhere in between those two things because both extremes are unhealthy. Humility is the way that we temper our sense of accomplishment and we tame our sense of importance. Humility is always a worthy goal and an admirable trait to possess in life. Thomas Merton once said that pride makes us artificial and humility makes us real. Hemingway said, there is nothing noble in being superior to your fellow man The true nobility comes in being superior to your former self. Rick Warren out at Saddleback, he said, you cannot exalt God and yourself at the same time. And then Jackson Brown, he said, every person that you meet knows something that you don't, so you should try to learn from them. So the question on the table this morning in light of this parable is what is humility and and how do we live a humble life? And so I'm gonna leave you with four thoughts uh, today. The first thought is actually a a famous quote by the Christian apologist C.S. Lewis. Lewis once said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's simply thinking of yourself less. Let me say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's simply thinking of yourself less. In other words, humility comes when we learn that we are not the center of the universe, that the world does not revolve around us. And yet there are so many people who just wanna talk about themselves and that gets old. If you tell them something that your family did, they have to come back and, 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 and tell you something better that their family did. If you ask them how they're doing, they'll answer you and then they never ask you how you're doing. You, you know what, what I'm talking about. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of others first and more often. Secondly, humility comes when we acknowledge and embrace our own character flaws, and we all have them, and then we make a decision to work on them. Hunter Mobley and I are doing this two-week Enneagram series on Wednesday nights. We have one more this Wednesday. We'd love for you to join us. And this Wednesday, what we're gonna talk about are the core sins that go along with every personality type and how we can name them and identify them and then focus on the virtues that can liberate us from those core sins. See, we all have a core sin or sins that we wrestle with. And the sooner we can name it, the sooner we can face it, the sooner we will grow. Because character is formed when we confront our shortcomings and those who refuse to acknowledge that they have shortcomings will never grow. And worse than that, they'll probably go through life 
just focusing on what's wrong with everybody else and pointing out what's wrong with everybody else. But real humility happens when we can name our shortcomings and then work to do better. Third, humility gets us out of the rat race. What does that mean? It means that we quit comparing ourselves with everybody else. And unfortunately, social media has made this very challenging because now we know what everybody else is doing and where they're traveling and what they're buying and what they're up to. In his great book that I would highly recommend called The Power of a Humble Life, uh, businessman Richard Simmons, who lives in Birmingham, says that life's greatest paradox is that strength is found in humility. Arrogance is simply a way to cover up our lack of self-confidence, our insecurity. He says 15 years ago, social media was non-existent, and yet it now dominates a major part of our lives, particularly young people. The great concern is that we are creating a culture of self-admiring narcissists who think that the world revolves around them. Social media has become an outlet to self-promote and its popularity signals that we are becoming a society that is clearly focused on the glorification of self. I think that's pretty accurate. Or as David Brooks calls it, we're living in the culture of the big me. And this is the opposite of what Jesus taught. He was about others. He was about serving others, healing others, leading others, helping others. But our culture has become very self-absorbed. And technology is playing a big role in driving this. Social media is playing a big role in driving this. And we, we all know it. The materialistic rat race where everybody is concerned about who has the nicest stuff, who has the most money, who takes the fanciest vacations, and all that stuff is empty. And usually it's the result of people's inability to get to know each other to their core, in their heart, to get to know each other's character. And so as long as you just stay on the surface, if you just stay superficial, You'll never really get to know somebody else and what they're about. You'll just be paying attention to what they have. Lastly, this morning, I think humility comes when, when life beats us up. And I would say that this year, 2020, we've all had the crap kicked out of us for the past eight well, six months or so. This has not been an easy year. This is not going to be an easy election. And so when we go through the hard times in life, we have the opportunity to grow and to become more humble. I don't know how you feel, but, but, but there are days when I am absolutely worn out with everything that's going on but all of the exhaustion and all of the headaches, all of the tension, all of the stress, it can actually lead us to a humble place if we let it. And as Christians, 
if we can read and study the words of Jesus, which is what we've been doing this summer, if we can wrestle with the parables of Jesus and think deeply about what he is saying, then we will grow and we will become more humble. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was self-righteous and one was humble. Which one are we? Amen.